And we welcome you on in to another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bala here to give you the latest in sports from around all the levels here on multiple streaming platforms and, of course, here on YouTube. So, Mitch, it is a good, good week, man. It is a good, good time to be a Cleveland Browns fan. We are here on a victory. Wait. Oh, hold on. There was a – Browns gave up a touch on there. We are here on a vi- – what? Got the onside. All right. Uh, we're here maybe on a victory. No? Okay. That's a touchdown. All right. Um, we have right. changed work, though. It's cool. There's still 22 seconds. We can get him in there. So let's see if Jacoby. Yep. No. Okay. That's a that's a pick. And um, yeah, that's that's one of the weirdest game. That's one of the weirder endings I've seen in my life, Mitch. I I don't think it's possible. And Mitch, greetings. Happy uh, loser Monday, as I like to call it. Um, <laughs> call it therapy Monday in, it, in other it, places. Yeah. I it's hard for me to think it's possible every year for something to top a year prior in my fandom of the Cleveland Browns. But yesterday they did it again. They did it again. Um, <laughs> the Cleveland Browns went on to prove to every single person yesterday that. It, I don't even know. I don't have words because it's just so embarrassing. I, I didn't, I, I shut off my TV yesterday. We have NFL red zone here and yeah. fantasy football. I love it. I shut off the TV. I was done. I didn't watch any football the rest of the day. Uh, it was a gut punch to lose to freaking Joe Flacco, who's now 18 and three against the Cleveland Browns. The Browns have literally probably paid this man half his salary in 21 games because of how good he looks against us. I just, I, I don't know. And I can sit here and it's nothing personal against the person. Let's make it abundantly clear. But Joe Woods is an atrocious defensive coordinator. Um, and I'm going to be in the minority here, but Kevin Stefanski should very well be on the hot seat. Because, because as much as you want to say things about the defense and it's all Joe Woods, your entire team lost focus with under two minutes to play. And that's on the coach. Um, there's so many ways I can take this, Mitch, and I know we're going to get into it more and more, but we should probably just let the people know that maybe enjoyed their Sunday and maybe didn't turn on the game yesterday, which if you were that person, kudos to you because you saved yourself a lot of time, a lot of anxiety and a bunch of heartbreak to where I woke up on Monday um, where last Monday was happy. I was happy it was Monday. It was victory Monday. And now here I am uh, on another Monday and I'm just, I'm disappointed to be a Browns fan. We should also take into account those people who decided to turn off the TV or go away from the TV around three 40 in the afternoon yesterday. And that, and I don't blame you because once the Browns went up 30 to 17 and with, with, you know, less than two minutes to go, no timeouts for the Jets, you're thinking, Oh, well, that's probably going to be it. I mean, even when, there was the the starting omen of your 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 new savior Cade York missing that point after you're like ah oh, who cares it's still two touchdowns it's whatever and uh, then you saw what happened unfold I'm I'm really just chalking it up to the secondary having some very serious not even just talent problems right now it's it's more so much communication issues I mean there was the whole talk to, yesterday by guys like John Johnson about making sure that they have to get things in order. Uh, maybe even ch- talking about changes into the the communication uh, at Brown's camp today, but uh, that's that that's a it's it, I'm looking I'm more mellowed out. I was more mellowed out even when it happened more than a lot of Brown's fans were yesterday because oh. I'm the kind of person that I'm the kind of fan that has just I, I have not suffered in my life as a sports fan compared to a lot of other people who especially were in the Cleveland area for many decades before me. 
Um, that being said, I've kind of just learned to take it as a a an optimal an optimistic realist. I'm an optimistic realist when it comes to my fandom because I understand that many things can, things can happen now in sports where unbelievable comebacks can happen. And when I see certain teams get out to a, a sizable lead, I think to myself, okay, well, there's still the opportunity for teams to really turn things around, even if all the uh, uh, elements are against them. And if I'm proven right by keeping my eye on a certain uh, a large lead, I think to myself, okay, well, I was right. And if they don't, and if a team doesn't come back, I'm like, oh, I'm pleasantly surprised. So yeah, even yesterday, I was just sort of like, well, the Jets did what they had to do. And the Browns gave them too many opportunities to do so. I told you before the season started, I never picked the Browns to win. I felt so confident in them this week. So of course so it, I. it was, it was the time for them to have the biggest letdown. And I still was, I was up in Cleveland on Saturday, Mitch, without with some friends. My one friend literally looked at me, he goes, we're going to beat the Jets, right? Like we don't, I don't need to be nervous. And I said, dude, this is one of the few times I'm nervous up 30 to 17 mm-hmm. and Cade York misses a PAT. That yeah. still shouldn't matter. They no. really shouldn't. And your defense had a minute 55 to get a stop Mm -hmm. two different opportunities, your quote unquote hands team, which it looked like they didn't even have any hands on the onside kick um, was terrible. So, I mean, at this point you look, no, it's not Nick Chubb's fault. It's not. Okay, cool. In, in, In 2020, Nick Chubb was told Hey, if you get a first down, you should probably go down and, you know, run the clock against the Texans. Keep in mind, they were playing in a legitimate hurricane, Mitch. Mm -hmm. All right. That was was a complete different circumstances. And our defense in 2020 wasn't good. Right. That's the difference. In 2020, when the Browns were making that run to the playoffs, what was the common theme in most of those games? Throw early. And we saw it against the Tennessee Titans, right? Throw early, get a giant lead, and then hold on for dear life. You saw it against the Jacksonville Jaguars that same year, too. Because the defense was that bad. Last year, yes, you can blame it on Baker Mayfield. You can blame it on whatever you want. I still remember watching the Chargers game and seeing Mike Williams wide open with nobody in the TV screen with him. Mm -hmm. This has been a problem for three years now, and the only common denominator with it is Joe Woods and the secondary. And it's part of the reason I have been so uptight about just crowning this top five defense on paper. They're not a top five defense. They're not a top 15 defense. They're a 21 to 28 defense. And until they prove me otherwise for multiple weeks straight, that's what they are. I don't care if we have Miles Garrett. I don't care if you have Denzel Ward who's the highest paid corner who would rather fight people on Twitter because that's what he's doing today while we record this podcast. I don't care if you have Grant Delpit who literally doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. It's so frustrating. You spend all this money in your secondary, the one spot of your team that you think is supposed to be so good. And Miles Garrett had one tackle yesterday. And then he wants to call up the fans afterwards. The fans have a right to boo. I would have booed. I turned down the opportunity to go to the game. And if I would have went to that game, I would have booed until I had no voice. Well, there were, yeah. And and the booze definitely rained down at the end of that one yesterday. And that was a topic that I saw many people kind of, or not many people, maybe a few of them kind of touch on afterwards where I think it might've been from the athletic, but I can't remember exactly where there was a topic of the Browns kind of trading in their chips of being the lovable losers, finally trying to win one once they traded for Deshaun Watson. Now the, the Watson trade itself doesn't really have much to do with Sunday's loss, but it kind of brought up this sort of setup that the Browns with that trade kind of put themselves in a spot where they want to win now under any 
circumstance possible. And when you do that with all the stuff that happened in the off season, uh, you know, some certain fans kind of were turned off by it. Other fans stayed on. That being said, the team did that sort of move because they wanted to win now. Every team wants to win now, but they especially did that because they wanted to win now because they didn't think they were going to do so in time. And yesterday was one that they should have won now. They didn't. And uh, I, I'm I'm never one to... I'm never one to just let my emotions out on a single team in that sort of fashion, but I, I I can see why some people are like, that's, that's not the performance that you need to put up to satisfy the people who are, who are, who are pulling for you. Right. And then see, that's probably why it's good that we do this episode. You know, we're doing this podcast together because I'm, I'm completely opposite of you and I was fed up and it just, the Cleveland Browns realistically, Mitch should be Owen to they, they, they got lucky against the Carolina Panthers. And when you watched, the game back and you see different angles, the Jacoby Brissett spike that the Panthers wanted for intentional grounding realistically should have been called intentional grounding. They've given up 34 points in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. combined in two games. You're playing a Pittsburgh Steelers team that has, has gotten points on two offensive drives this season or two touchdowns, excuse me, this season. You know what the Steelers are thinking? The cures at first energy stadium. Cause Joe Woods is calling the defense that, that they should be salivating. It, it's, it's pathetic. Um, Jacoby Brissett played great. Yeah. What we need him to do. Yeah. He had an interception, but this goes back and this is where all the people that hate Baker don't agree with me. It's a lot different when you throw an interception, when a team knows that that's literally the only option you have in order to move the football down the field and try to win a game. Right. right? So yes, he threw a pick, but at the same time, the dude was hurt. You saw him get tackled yesterday. He came up gimpy on his ankle. Uh, he played a great game. He, he really did. The offense phenomenal. 87 yards, three touchdowns for Chubb hunt 13 for 58. Um, but this team, it's not a good football team. There's a reason I'm pessimistic. And until they prove otherwise, Mitch, I, I will go on record now uh, and pick them. I've already went through a sheet and I picked everybody. The Browns play. I have picked the opponent through week uh, 12 until Deshaun comes back. So I will not be picking the Browns on this podcast to win another football game uh, up until I see Deshaun Watson. And even then I probably won't pick them to win another football game. Um, it's abysmal. Joe Woods is awful. He needs fired. And Kevin Stefanski's on the hot seat. And I and mark my words, if they lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers Thursday, Mitch, somebody will be fired. It'll be Joe Woods. It'll be Mike Prefer. It, it will go on for too long. And the only reason they can't fire anybody now is because they have three days before, before they play their next game. Mal is airing it out here on a Monday afternoon. So, yeah, I mean, before we go into the next topic here, before we go to our next break, I, I there was something about that that you mentioned with, with – I don't know if you mentioned it, but with Stefanski, something that came to my mind yesterday is this has been an overall team issue for the last three seasons in that for some reason, and I don't know whether it's complacency or trying to be too safe or just. Yes, it's 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 the whole prevent too safe thing. That's it's exactly but, what it is. But the, the, the team, never if they ever got out to a to a, a considerable lead in late in these games. For some reason, it always feels like the the other team has an opportunity to get back in it. And again, we're in a league now where teams can uh, take nine seconds to tie a playoff game if you have the the suited uh, utilities for that. Now, if a utility is like Patrick Mahomes, it's basically like an, a very expensive uh, power drill. But 
yeah, for the only game I can really think of in the Kevin Stefanski's three years in Cleveland has been where where the team will get out to a lead and then you don't have to worry about them closing it out the rest of the way was maybe last year's win in Cincinnati because that they won that they scored a bunch in the fourth quarter. Nick Chubb had a huge run. Joe, everyone thought Joe Burrow can't beat the Browns, and who knows if he will this year, considering how the Bengals have started. But yeah, even the game in 2020 where you got out 35 to seven over Tennessee, and you almost give that up. The the wild card game, people forget Pittsburgh cut the lead down at, at a considerable point, and even on that last uh, onside that they tried, I was nervous about but- the Browns possibly giving that one up. Dallas in 2020, that game in at eight or Jerry's world. That's another game. They were up by a couple scores and you were holding on for dear life at the end. Um, Mitch, even the game last year, it wasn't convincing when we played the bears and had eight sacks against Justin Fields. Like that wasn't, that wasn't one where it was a wire to wire win. Neither was it against the Washington football team at the time back in 2020. That was where you had to score in the fourth quarter to really put them away. It's there is not, you're right. There has been very few complete games for a Kevin Stefanski led team in three years. And this is the year that you can put it on him. If, if you're the person that likes to give everybody benefit of the doubt, right? 2020 COVID year, no preseason first year head coach doesn't know the system, whatever. Sure. Pass last year, second year, still didn't get a full uh, off season and everything. Baker torn labrum torn, whatever bad shoulder, bad quarterback. Okay. Another pass. What, what's the excuse here? Because you knew Jacoby Brissett was starting. We all knew it. And you still elected not to give him first team reps for over half a training camp. But yesterday it wasn't Jacoby Brissett's fault. It was the play calling on defense. It was your players losing focus. And Mitch, the last thing I'll say before we move on, the Jets lined up for an onside kick and we called timeout. Yes. And then there was a player that was put onto the field after the timeout that wasn't originally out there. And it was Amari Cooper. And the uh, ball went right to Amari Cooper, and he looked right. like he wanted nothing to do with the football. He looked like he tried to slap it out of bounds instead of just falling yeah. And And today, listening to any sports talk radio show in Cleveland you want to listen to, one Browns analyst said, to his knowledge, Amari Cooper was never on the hands team this this offseason. No. I mean, this is the same team that's been utilizing Demetric Felton as the oh, kick returner. God. I mean, granted, granted, he didn't have a huge mess up until late in the game. I'll give him that this week. Granted, that shouldn't be the standard. Um, and, and a lot of it's due to what you kind of have on your table right now. The Browns kind of dealing with certain players out. Obviously, uh, they have to use Brissett because Watson's not available. And I'll give them a bit of a pass there because they didn't want to use Brissett so much that if you ri- you can risk him getting hurt in those three games. And then you got Josh Dobbs there for the next couple weeks of season. And Dobbs didn't play bad in training camp, but that's your third string guy going in. That being said... Yeah, it's uh, there there are some places where it almost feels like the team is trying to put scraps in place, or not put scraps, but like put guys in places that they never are put haven't put put in before or don't have a lot of experience in. Sometimes it works, but a lot of times it's kind of the results you might expect from a situation like that. The Detroit Lions did it yesterday with the tackle who had never played offensive tackle and he'd been in the league for six years and got his first career start. It's possible, but at the end of the day, it comes down to coaching. And I don't think the Browns are coaching enough. They're my whole thing is you can use analytics in any sport you want, but at the end of the day, you need guys that can go out there and play the sport, have a nose for the ball, know what they're doing more so than what the numbers say. And I think this coaching staff and everybody are way too caught up in analytics. And I don't think the coaches, the coaches do a good job of coaching a player on, hey, you didn't do this right. 
you know, you fix that as a coach, you tell the player how and show the player how. I just think it's more so, hey, we got to correct that. And they don't correct it because this is two weeks in a row. The Browns secondary has given up bombs. And after week one, Greg Newsom said it won't happen again. It's an easy fix. Well, Greg, doesn't seem like it's an easy fix. What are your guys, the listeners and the viewers' thoughts on where the Browns are at after this loss? I mean, are you like Mitch? Do you think there should be some considerable possible changes here in the in the coming future? I mean, again, that would wreck my uh, that would wreck my whole thing where I said that uh, who was it? Cliff Kingsbury was going to be the first head coach fired. I mean, yeah. who knows? Who, who knows if that's going to be the case anymore after yesterday? So I want to get your guys' thoughts on that. Obviously, you can leave a comment below. Uh, you can also. F- Follow us on our streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. I just learned this. I'm an idiot. Apple Podcasts, you cannot watch the video on. Spotify and Anchor and YouTube, obviously, are the only ones you can watch us on video. Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, you can hear our rich, leather-like voices on through your headphones. So when we come back, we'll be going over more into week two of the regular season uh, for the NFL. We'll also get into some more baseball talk here later on in this program. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy, or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut, skin-on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Try them today, only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's, taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostrand Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Be sure to take a trip to Sugar Creek for the upcoming Ohio Swiss Festival from Thursday, September 29th through Saturday, October 1st along Dover Road, Main Street, and Maple Street. 
Established in 1953, the Swiss Festival transformed Sugar Creek into a lively Swiss village to showcase the rich cultural heritage. From wine and cheese samplings to races, contests, and parades, the Swiss Festival offers something for everybody. Take the kids out for fun games, delicious food, and exciting rides. And be sure to get there for Steinstossen, the stone-throwing competitions Friday and Saturday nights. The Ohio Swiss Festival, Thursday, September 29th to Saturday, October 1st in downtown Sugar Creek. For more information, go to Ohio Swiss festival.com or find ohio swiss festival on facebook and we're back here on the big time sports podcast show going over week two of the nfl and uh you know i mean we're going over the uh the loss of the, of the browns suffered to the jets uh, in a stunning fashion yesterday now granted mitch yesterday was not a good uh week for or not a good day for the rest of the division so we're lucky in that retrospect um could be the bengals right now could be the Bengals who just lost in uh, in 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 Dallas, uh, so a little surprisingly to Cooper Rush. Uh, but I want to start off in Miami yesterday. Or was it? I believe it was in Baltimore. Like yesterday, everything looked like it was going to be an easy Ravens win over the over the Dolphins, and Tua Tagovailoa just dropped four of his six touchdown passes in a quarter. I mean, how? Like, what happens in that game? that allows the or allows the dolphins to make that comeback win over the ravens. Yesterday was the day of snooze fest football games or just unbelievable comebacks you didn't see coming. We were one of the three victims unfortunately for the teams that collapsed, but yeah, the ravens giving up 28 points in the fourth quarter to the dolphins. Mitch, give credit to Tua. Honestly, you have to. 469 yards passing, six touchdowns. Uh Obviously, it helps when you have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, who both had two touchdowns each, I believe, yesterday. So just a giant game. Mike Gusecki had a touchdown and then grittied, and then uh, everywhere, every person in America with social media loved it. But, yeah, the Ravens' defense just collapsed, and, and the Ravens' offense collapsed too, right? We know that this Dolphins team can be explosive on offense. They brought in Mike McDaniel from San Francisco, who I think will be able to work wonders with all that talent. But this guy, I, I – was kind of ready to see if the backups were going to get in for the Ravens. And sure enough, the dolphins came back, but apparently this was just the story around the league yesterday. And it just shows you now, Mitch, like literally no lead is safe. No game is over until it's over. And anybody this year can beat anybody because these teams are just playing their behinds off the first couple of weeks of the season to stay alive. And I don't know. I know that the Browns and Browns fans and media talked a lot of crap all week. And Robert Sala said he was going to save the receipts and he did. I don't know if Ravens media and Ravens players and coaches, whatever were throwing shade at the dolphins, but the Miami dolphins are two and they're two and I can't believe they're two and but um, I think that's why this loss hurt so much yesterday for the Browns is because if you would have won, you would add a full game buffer up in your division because the the Ravens lost as did the other two teams in your division. But do you think this says more about the Ravens or more about the Dolphins? Uh, I don't, I think it says more about the Dolphins because I don't think people expected Tua to have a start like this, like he had, like he has right now. I mean, the whole com. I think a lot of uh, a lot of people that I've been talking to, the whole conversation going into Sunday was, oh, this will be the team that Lamar takes over next year once he doesn't resign with Baltimore. And now people are thinking, oh, well, you know, Tua could have something here, and you know, the Tua versus, um. Joe Burrow conversations are kind of sparking up again because Joe Burrow has lost two consecutive games now post Super Bowl three, I guess. Um, 
last week losing against Pittsburgh, obviously, and then losing this week to the Cowboys. Things are things are weird right now in Cincinnati, and this is not the same. This is not as good of a team that went to the Super Bowl last year. It's Burrow with you know a couple of his key guys, but other than that, right now the team has been considerably struggling on offense. Mitch Cooper Rush outplayed Joe Burrow yesterday. Yeah, two hundred thirty-five yards and a touchdown for Cooper Rush. Joe Burrow one hundred ninety-nine yards and a touchdown. Look, I, I told you before, I don't think the Bengals are going to be nearly as good as they were last year because they play a tougher schedule. But this is a game, just like the Browns had this weekend, that you should be able to look at your on the paper and say this is a win. Without Dak Prescott, and you lose the Dallas Cowboys. The Bengals right now, to me, Mitch, are, are facing, are in a really tough spot because I believe since 2020, since the playoffs expanded, no team has made the playoffs since starting 0-2. And they are 0-2, and it looks like the Super Bowl hangover is in full effect for the Cincinnati Bengals. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens because that offensive line, Mitch, looks worse. And yeah. they spent a lot of money in free agency to address it. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking over the games now. By the way, some breaking news. Davion Clowney will be inactive this Thursday against the Steelers. So that'll be one part of the starting lineup that will not be available for the Browns defense. Uh, and Clowney even had had that uh, that, that forced fumble yesterday. So we're, again, the line is doing what it ne- it can. I think they underperformed yesterday because people were expecting Miles Garrett to break the sack record and, and Joe. Br- and yeah, Flacco wasn't really that pressured compared to somebody like Baker the previous week. Uh, but going back to that, obviously the Steelers losing to the Patriots, not the most exciting game uh, from this week, but you know, it's a, it's a considerable one. As far as the rest of the AFC goes, Again, we talked about it before today. What is going on in Indianapolis? Because the Colts losing 24-0 to the Jaguars. I'll give Trevor Lawrence this. It's one of his, maybe his best career games so far. But Indianapolis was seen as a potential, they, they were seen, I saw him as the, the front runner for the AFC South. And now they're looking at, and now they're at 0-2. Or 0-1-1, excuse me. I don't know what's happening here, especially after two against two teams that were considered to be basement dwellers in the NFL this year. Well, I think it's as simple as I think Matt Ryan is glue factory. I think he's near the end of his career. Um, yes. I, well, I don't know. Cause through the first two weeks, is he better than Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz has looked pretty all right to me in Washington, but I still think the Colts are the favorite to win the AFC South Mitch. I really do. At the same time, though, this is a team that literally has not won in Jacksonville now for eight straight seasons. So I should have known better than to pick them to win this week. This is a team that just for some reason, the Jaguars always have their number. This is also a team starting a different quarterback in week one, I believe, for the fifth or sixth straight season. So just the continuity isn't there. I mean, we know as Browns fans, you have a different quarterback walking into that in and out of that door almost every other week. There's no chemistry there. And so the same thing can be said with, with the Colts. And you also had Pittman Jr. out yesterday. Just a rough day for Jonathan Taylor on the ground. But, hey, give the credit to the Jaguars. Uh, Lawrence, I, I, I agree with you, Mitch. I think that was his best game as a pro so far. But, yeah, the Colts just it's, – it's bad. Frank Wright has to be almost on that hot seat too because this is a team that a lot of people thought with their defense – you had the rushing champion coming back from last year. You upgraded at quarterback, or so you thought. This is a team that should be top four, top five team in the AFC, and they're looking up in the standings right now. I would argue he and maybe maybe Zach Taylor are a little hotter on the seat than Kevin Stefanski is right now because Stefanski oh, yeah. did win week one. But, uh, 
Yeah, things are things are weird right now in Indianapolis. Fortunately for Indy, though, the, the Texans lost yesterday 16 to 9 to the Denver Broncos. And apparently, I, I don't know if this is true or not. Maybe it is. Apparently, the the play, the 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 coaching and the coaching and the management on the Broncos sideline has become so questionable that the fans were actually calling out the play clock. Have you, did you see this yesterday? Yes. Yes. The play clock to, to make sure that first of all, like that should be a, like, I would think that'd be a neat strategy for like the fans to use for their own team. Yep. But I, I get it. It's like, Oh, it's making him seem out to be a dumb, like it's, he's still a dumb coach. I get it. But like, I don't, you're two games in, you're two games. Right. in. You'll, you'll lose bad week one, but it's, it's, it's two weeks. Same thing as the Browns. It's two weeks. Who knows what's going to happen the first next 15 games? It's it's two weeks and you're a new head coach. It's week two for the Browns, but it's year three of Kevin Stefanski and the staff. There's a difference, yes. obviously. And we still gave Stefanski a pass in, in year one when we had to watch that fake punt he called against the Ravens. You're like, what, dude, what are we doing? Um, but it you can't really sit here as a Broncos fan and, and feel good, can you? I mean, this is a team that on paper the Broncos should have blown out at home and Russ should have quote-unquote cooked. I believe he started the game two for 14 and yep. then about like six for 20. Um, he looked he looked bad. Nathaniel Hackett look, looks like he's in way too deep as head coach of the Broncos. But here's the thing. And a lot of people always want to talk about style points and how flashy it was. This isn't college football. A win is a win, and that's all it does. A win doesn't catapult you up because you won by 20 points like in college football. Nope. All you have to do is win. Mm-hmm. And that's where I come in. I don't care how ugly it looks. Last year, I was a guy that said, I don't care that we only beat the Minnesota Vikings seven, nothing. Like we won victory Monday. Let's go. That's another win. People get too caught up in the cuteness. Like if the Browns would have won yesterday, 30 to 29, would I have still had worries? Yeah. Cause they would have let the jets back in it, but I'd be sitting here with completely different tone. I'd be a different person because a win is a win. And so for the Broncos, that's, there you go. But Mitch, to your point, there has been a lot of people talking, you know, that the Broncos sideline is very dysfunctional right now through two games. And that is not a good sign, especially if you're Russell Wilson, you just wanted to get out of Seattle to hopefully go to a new place that's going to be a little bit better for you offensively and through two games hasn't looked the best. And again, with with Wilson now, uh, more of his team, his old teammates in this, with the Seahawks coming in now that like what was going on between those guys that they, they're just letting it all out on, on Twitter and letting it all out of these games. I mean, how like how rough was the situation near the end between Russ and those guys? Like I, I'm kind of like baffled by it because of the public persona he puts out but who knows uh other games you also have the giants uh beating the panthers so the so the new york giants are 2-0 and on the season that's 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 an interesting development uh the buccaneers survived against the saints it looked like they were gonna they had some really issues for a while there was a fight that broke out uh but they were able to get the victory lions beat the commanders uh so you know detroit got a victory there um and we mentioned the Patriots and Steelers, and then Rams beating the Falcons. And then, oh, that game was. Well, hold on, you want to talk about another game that they, they were up twenty-eight to three. The Rams, they almost pulled a Falcons against the Falcons. They were up twenty-eight to three before the Atlanta Falcons came roaring back in the really the fourth quarter. Um, or not according to the box score, they weren't. So maybe it wasn't twenty-eight to three, or maybe it could have been. I don't funny. know. I'm not good at math. Well, I'm. I, well, um, another but, game. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying that's another game that, I mean, Mitch, the Rams don't look nearly as what they were last year. You could say it's a Super Bowl hangover for them too, but at the same time, I mean, it's a lot of these teams we expected to look great. Mitch have it in the first two weeks. Granted, it's only two weeks and some of these teams that look bad are still two and oh, but 
it's going to be pretty interesting to see what happens here just in the next few weeks. Well, the one game featuring another West team that I wanted to get to, which was a comeback, was the Arizona Cardinals, who were down 20 nothing to the Raiders, but then scored 16 points in the fourth and then scooped up a 59-yard fumble for a touchdown in overtime. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's it's such a weird dynamic right now in, in week two where a lot of these games are just very basic by the book, and then a lot of them were teams getting out to big leads and then other teams not being able to get back in it. So it's, it's, it's fascinating. But then the one that I really wanted to get to because of the implications for the rest of the year, uh, also the Packers beating the the bears 27 to 10, you predicted it. I predicted it. Um, I think I might've gave, given the bears a little more credit. Um, and it wasn't a huge blowout, but it was not a close game for most of it. Can we, uh, let me, can we just stop putting that game on Sunday night football? It's every year. Why, why every year do I Can have we, to watch the Bears ha- and Packers play on, nat- on national TV? As long as Aaron Rodgers is still the Packers quarterback, I think we could, might be able to get away from it. But the thing is, who knows for how long it's going to be, so it's not going to be that big of a, a gap between that. And it's it's the oldest rivalry in the league. That'd be like putting the Yankees – it's like it's like not scheduling the Yankees and Red Sox on, on national television. It, it's, just, it's just the way that it is. It's the way that it is. And now the game that I wanted to get to as well was the 49ers beating the Seahawks 27 to seven. However, you know, when San Francisco did what they did this off season and made Trey Lance their starter and, and, you know, Jimmy, even Jimmy Garoppolo thought, Oh, I'm going to be traded. And then he wasn't traded. Then he gets one of the highest paying backup contracts we've seen ever. He's the guy again because Trey Lance is now possibly out for the season with that ankle injury. Like, it's it's really is a situation of what what did Thanos say? You couldn't live with your failure, and where did that lead you? Back to me. Like, where does this dynamic between the Niners and Jimmy G go for the rest of the year? Should he be able to ball out and potentially take advantage of an NFC West right now that doesn't look like it has a juggernaut? It, it, Mitch, outside of my fandom for the Browns, this has to be the most intriguing storyline for the NFL for the rest of the season. Because to your point, what happens? Because the the West looks bad, right? The Cardinals look left for dead yesterday. They come back when they're one and one. The Rams do not look like what we thought they would look like. They're one and one. The Seahawks are one and one. Now the Niners are one and one after losing the Chicago Bears. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in off the bench, unexpected. I mean, Mitch, you could have gone to any fantasy app you wanted. Look, Jimmy Garoppolo was projected 0.0 points yesterday. Nobody expected him to be in the game. Trey Lance gets tackled, and I, I feel for him, right? I, I'm not going to – Yeah. that's one of the things. When I fire off these takes, it's nothing personal. I'll let you know if it's ever personal, but it's not. I just don't think Trey Lance is going to be what the Niners think he will be. The injury was tough, and at the same time, I think the adrenaline was running in him. He didn't realize he was hurt at first and did appear to try to get up. Um, and that that was brutal to watch. It really was because then he realized his leg was in a different direction. His lineman came over and said, "Stay down, stay down." And here's a rook, well, second year player, but really getting his feet wet for the first time as a starting quarterback, out for the year, or at least what what everybody like Adam Schefter and Rappaport and all those guys are reporting, out for the year. And now Jimmy Garoppolo is back, and now the Niners look like geniuses for holding on to him. They really do. But to your point, if this Niners team that was one play away from making it back to the Super Bowl for the second time in three years, runs the table again, and maybe gets back. What do the 49ers do? What does Jimmy Garoppolo do, Mitch? 
What if the Niners want him back, but there's a suitor out there for Garoppolo willing to pay him? Does he stay with the team that he's fit in with his entire career so far when he's healthy? Or does he say, you know what? You guys wasted three first round picks on a rookie quarterback that has now played, I think, two whole games. I'm going to leave you guys in the dust and see what happens. He would, he would wager massive money from other teams, which would, could cause the 49ers to wager even more massive money should he be able to get something done. And granted, he was only, I mean, I shouldn't say only, but 13 of 21, 164 yards and a touchdown. Nothing hugely groundbreaking. And then Geno Smith yesterday was 24 of 30, 197 yards and a pick. And more, it more seemed like the like a Jacoby Brissett-esque game like like yesterday. Not like the one he had in week one, but it, it was much less. It wasn't as impressive as his Monday night win the previous week. So we got two games tonight. We got uh, Buffalo and uh, who are they taking on here? I believe it is Titans. the Titans. So we'll see those two teams face off. And then the Vikings and Eagles play. That's a very intri- intriguing match. I think it's probably the one of the more even ones throughout the week. And they are two and a half point favorites. Let me ask you this. Buffalo, 10 point favorites. Yes, that's a lot. Is it, it is. too much, or you, would you would you take Buffalo with minus? 10? I don't know. I mean, after the Titans lost last week to the Giants, I mean, it's not crazy. I don't think it's unbelievable. It just sort of seems like, eh, you know, Buffalo could rain fire on them, and it could. I mean, again, I, I picked this team. I picked this team to be the last one to lose this year. Should they lose? Like all the teams are going to lose before Buffalo does. Probably around seven, week six, seven, eight. Like that's probably when they're going to get their first defeat. But again, this team is good. Even again, I think they made the Rams look amateur. They made the Rams defense look amateur, you know, on last last Thursday. It's nuts. I I think that the team that I obviously back in our NFL preview show, I wasn't sold on the Chiefs. And boy, do I look like a fool because they look great through two weeks. But I think it's going to be between the Chiefs and and Bills for who loses last. And um, unfortunately, if the Bills survive tonight and win, I don't see either team losing next week because the Chiefs play the Colts and the Bills play the Dolphins, but we'll get to that in our show later in the week. Well, I was about to say, I almost forgot Chiefs and Chargers because that was the one where it was close for a long time, and then Justin Herbert threw the longest interception return for touchdown that I've since seen since Super Bowl 43, James Harrison. Um, Yeah, that that was unbelievable. And, yeah, again, it's a close one. And I still think the Chargers are going to win, end up winning the AFC West, but Kansas City's good still. They're still so good. They are. They are. Yeah. And I think I think the issue for people is thinking, oh, they don't have Tyree Kill, and that was my that was my thing, right? Because Mitch, you've seen it already right. with him in Miami. You can't really defend speed unless you're going to put safeties way deep back there trying to keep him in front of you. But Mahomes still gets the ball. He spreads the yeah. wealth around. Obviously, his number one target now was his one A or B target last year in Travis Kelsey, but. The Chiefs are still good, and, and Mitch, to your point, I know you're still taking the Chargers, but to me, it was almost like there was times in the Chargers for the Chargers this past week where the past year, Brandon Staley would have gone for it on fourth down. This time, he didn't. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, is he getting what, – what's going on there? Is he being told he's not allowed to? Is he getting – is he in his own head? I mean, what? what is it? What is it? And then Herbert with the big pick six. Um, but give him credit, the Chargers tried to make it come all the way back, but – uh if you make mistakes against the Chiefs, you're ultimately going to pay. And we've seen that as Browns fans in the two games we played them in 2020 and 2021. And we've seen it against any team that we ever watched play the Chiefs during the regular season and playoffs. You can't give Pat Mahomes extra possessions. 
we shall see where it goes from here. I mean, obviously, we'll get to week three later on this week. And uh, for the meantime, now we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk more about baseball. We'll talk more about other high school sports here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. Alt Care. Alt Care. Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. Be sure to take a trip to Sugar Creek for the upcoming Ohio Swiss Festival from Thursday, September 29th through Saturday, October 1st along Dover Road, Main Street, and Maple Street. Established in 1953, the Swiss Festival transformed Sugar Creek into a lively Swiss village to showcase the rich cultural heritage. From wine and cheese samplings to races, contests, and parades, the Swiss Festival offers something for everybody. Take the kids out for fun games, delicious food, and exciting rides. And be sure to get there for Steinstossen, the stone-throwing competitions Friday and Saturday nights. The Ohio Swiss Festival, Thursday, September 29th to Saturday, October 1st in downtown Sugar Creek. For more information, go to Ohio Swiss Festival.com or find Ohio Swiss Festival on Facebook. <laughs> 
And we welcome you back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell alongside Mitchell Bala. So, Mitch, yesterday while the Browns game was going on over at First Energy Stadium, some fans were actually over at Progressive Field for the fourth of five games between the Minnesota Twins and the Cleveland Guardians. Now, the Guardians currently are active against Minnesota as we record this podcast. It is the bottom of the first inning, and the Guardians are working their way with runners on second and third. Nobody out, so we'll see if they can get some runs here. So the Guardians are actually... Uh, like I said, in the midst of a five-game series right now with their Central Division rivals, the Twins currently in third place, Chicago White Sox in second, and the last four days, Mitch, have been very vital to Cleveland, keeping still in that lead in the division. They are, as of now, three and a half games ahead of Chicago and six games ahead of Minnesota after beating the Twins this past weekend. The first one was on Friday. That was seven to six. The Doubleheader on Saturday was six to four, and we'll definitely get to to the next one here, which was, I believe, uh, yes, I don't have the score of that one yet, but I seven will to soon. Seven to six. That was mm-hmm. seven to six. That oh, okay, I know what it was. I was looking at the wrong set of games. So it was uh, four to three on Friday, five to one on Saturday, the first game, and we'll definitely get to the seven to six game here in just a bit. And of course, they lost Sunday, uh, three nothing. So right now. The Guardians are looking pretty good against Minnesota, and they're they're keeping level. They're not letting Chicago just run back into this race right now. Where do you think, like, where do you see this team holding itself up because of Saturday's nightcapper, which I believe you were at the fifteen inning extravaganza that happened over at Progressive Field on Saturday night? Mitch, have you ever been part of the fourteenth inning stretch? Did they do a? They really did a. Oh yeah! Wow. Okay. We did a fourteenth inning stretch. I have not. I have not been to an. It's not been a long time since I've been to an extra inning game, uh, over at the ballpark. I mean, usually by the ninth or tenth inning, we kind of just take off because, you know, we gotta we gotta drive a long ways back. But that's an that's an interesting scenario there. That's really cool because for the for most of the game that it just felt like. The team with that second run base runner rule, it just felt like the team wasn't able to put runs together at, at many, many points up until the end. Yeah, they really weren't. And it was frustrating for sure. But I, I was there for over five and a half hours. We got, we actually got in the gate because the lines were so long. Uh, walked in at 7.01, heard the first pitch thrown at 7.05. And it was after 12.30 when we left the stadium. I won't lie to you, Mitch. We had been out all day. Uh, we left our seats at the start of the 15th when we walked out the gate off the home run porch is when Rosario uh, would have hit whether they gave him a hit or error. I still don't know, uh, but the walk off for us to win crazy. But at the same time, the guardians have done what they needed to do. If they get a win today, Mitch, I would feel so confident because then worst case scenario, the white Sox are off today. Yep. Worst case scenario, you are up four games heading to Chicago for three. So even if you got swept, you will still have a one game lead over the white Sox. but I'm, that's not what I'm looking for. If you win today against the twins, I need to see you win one game in Chicago. That's all I need. I need you to win the season series against the White Sox. So if you do tie them, you have the tiebreaker with head-to-head, and it's as simple as that. Because after after Chicago, you go to Texas, then you come home and you play Tampa for three, which will be tough. That could be be a preview of what the playoffs could be. And then you play Kansas City for six. But, Mitch, there's literally a chance that they could almost wrap up the division this week if they just got, got hot. If they win today, they win the next three at Chicago and win four, you're literally looking at a spot where Chicago would go from four back to seven back, and Minnesota would go from six and a half or seven back to 
potentially more depending on what they do in their next series, but they look good. This team is young. I was kind of worried after the White Sox lost last week on Thursday, Friday night, unsung hero, Ernie Clement scoring from second on a pass ball, wild pitch. It was huge. And they took that momentum and rolled with it into Saturday, won both games. And I kind of assumed that Sunday would be a low scoring game. I just wasn't sure which way it would go. And, um, you know, ultimately the twins won three, nothing, but I'm happy with where we're at right now. It's 79 and 67 currently playing right now. You need to win today and just give me one Chicago Mitch and I will be very happy and very content. Well, you're off to a good start because the guardians just took a three, nothing lead on a Josh Naylor home run uh, off of sunny gray in that opening frame. So uh, we'll see if the Cleveland can hang on there. It is Cal Quantrill who has been one of those sneakily effective starters in the American league so far for this month. And again, sure. the, the man has never lost at progressive field which is an unbelievable stack considering how long he's been uh with with the club for his career um so yeah we'll see what happens for the next eight innings i mean you mentioned it uh, winning that game against the white Sox would give you the tiebreaker as as winning against minnesota has i'm i would still be nervous against some of those lesser teams because that could be an easy trap into just kind of letting your guard down um I mean, I'm not saying that the the Rays are a terrible team. I mean, they're still kind of in the mix, but they're not in the same levels of like uh, some of the playoff potential teams you've been facing off here in the last month or so. Like your teams, like your Seattle's or even your 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 Chicago's here coming up. Um, yeah, I, I, the fifteen the fifteen inning game I think was a little bit worrisome at first, and I think you needed yesterday to really sort of like regroup your guys because you using all of those players had to have thrown off everything you want using so much of your bullpen uh, who has been so, so good down the stretch, but yeah, I I'm, I'm very curious as to if the team is going to hold. And, and we keep saying this, but the team has been still holding up. Even if it's a, if it's a, a clubhouse full of 22 to primarily 28, 29 year olds, this team has really been one of those young squads that has played like a bunch of veterans so far this year and Brian Shaw. <laughs> Just had to get that one in there. Uh, but to your it's point, cool. Mitch, and, and there's been so many unsung heroes. And that's why Saturday night, the unsung hero was Kirk McCarty. That is a guy in the bullpen who has not had a great year when he's gotten called up for spot starts. He's shown some glimpses, I think, out in Boston this year. He actually had yep. a really great performance. He came out of the bullpen, and he gave you two or three innings of solid relief. And it was great because if he doesn't do that, whether you guys lose or if he just kind of get hit around, you have to use another arm. You don't know what happens, but to, to be honest, Mitch, he was an unsung hero in that game. He did very well. Brian Shaw did well. Uh, my, my only gripe with this team right now, and unfortunately there's nothing to do to fix it. So I'm going to have to suck it up as a guardians fan, as I hope this team makes the playoffs, but it, it's Owen Miller. Yeah, Owen Miller is mm. killing you, whether it's at the plate or as I watched Saturday night at second base where he makes an error. And then the twins put up a five spot in the eighth inning. Um, he He's just, He's a guy that has kind of been around for too long. You saw it with some other guys that we've gotten rid of before. You saw it with Yu Chang this year. Um, you, you've seen it with, gosh, we had so many other guys. Uh, Oscar Mercado was another one we had earlier in the year. Owen Miller was hot in the month of April, halfway through May. Mitch, he's not a first baseman. He's not a second baseman. And he is not an everyday player in a major league lineup. Um, he, to me, is the weakest link because even if you want to say Miles Straw can't hit, Miles Straw is the best defensive center fielder according to everything this year in baseball, your catchers are there for the pitchers, right? We knew that going into the season, the catchers, whatever they did offensively was going to be a bonus. Granted, I think they both kind of turned it around slightly 
here in the second half, but Owen Miller's just killing this team. So as long as the lefty's not on the mound, Naylor needs to be at first, then you DH one of these other young guys because I ultimately think they're giving you better production and better at bats than Miller. But other than that, Mitch, here we are. Monday, September 19th, still in first place, the American League Central. If you would have told me that at the beginning of the season, I would have ran to the window with my ticket and, and put it in there. And ultimately right now, if best case scenario, if we win today and we sweep Chicago, Mitch, you're almost at a spot where you can kind of start to line up the pitching rotation, how you'd like it to be for the playoffs. And that brings me to this question, your wild card teams, as we stand right now, as they are literally changing every day for the most part, Toronto would be the first wild card. Mm -hmm. Tampa would be the second wild card and Seattle would be the third wild card. Tampa and Toronto would play a three game best of three series where your guardians would host the Mariners. So Mitch Spinell, I pose to you, which one of those three teams would you feel most confident in coming to progressive field in a best of three series for the guardians to beat? Uh, Again, I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to assume anything with this guardians team. They still would have to win. Even if you, even if you get those wins against Minnesota and Chicago, you need to be Texas. You can do what you got to do against Tampa Bay, who is a wild card contender. And you got to be Kansas city at least three times. Otherwise you're just putting yourself in a bad position. Um, as far as those three teams, though, it's it's really tricky. I might have to. It's probably one of the East teams. Yep. Because I got scared after that Seattle series. Like I don't I don't know what to ex- I don't I wouldn't know what to expect in a three game setup like that because of what Seattle was able to do against them in their backyard, where Safeco or not Safeco, whatever it's called now, has been Team Mobile Park. Is it really Team? What is it about like these? That's a, that's a discussion for another day. But as of right now, uh, between Tampa Bay and Toronto, because because t- Tampa Bay could easily pick up on some things in, the, in a later season series that they could carry into uh, yep. a series shortly after. Um, against you know what I you know what it is. You're not going to have Karen check if you if you have to play Toronto. So I'm going to go with the Rays well, just for that the, that that. No, we would we would because the best of three is all at one location, so it's like it would all really? be included. Yes, Karen check really? would be able. Yep. Well, all right. In that case, well, nothing against that. I mean, I'm not trying to you know do anything there, but like yeah. um, Blue Jays and Rays. Mitch, it's something you have to consider. You or you would have had to consider, yeah. So Rays and right. Jays, uh, too 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 soon to call, too soon to call. I mean. I don't, for the sake of not having any, any recent continuity, I'll go Toronto. Yeah, I would, I would say it's Toronto. The last team I want to see is Seattle because I think Seattle showed you they are just like us, only a little bit better in terms of offensive production. Yep. They have a same type of bullpen like us that is, that is stout. They don't give up runs and their starting rotation is very, very good as well. I would honestly think that one through five, they might be better than us, but maybe one through our one, two punch could be better than theirs. But the Mariners scare me, man. Mitch, that's yeah. a team that I could see getting in and and really making some noise but i would say the blue jays just because i the rays are always that team that it doesn't matter who's on that team they're always going to play tough kevin cash has done a phenomenal job ever since he left cleveland under tito yep um and they they have some good pitching but toronto's a team that we saw we went up to toronto i believe we took two or three or three or four yep um and i think we won one or two here earlier in the season way earlier in the season uh that was during father's day weekend if i'm not mistaken that's when connor pilkington make his made his debut um and I don't want to say it, it's easier to play those teams because those teams are very good and they actually have more wins than you because um, they're they're a good baseball team and you're in the central. But you don't want to count your chickens before they hatch. Yeah. And you don't want to say that we're in the playoffs yet, but nope. you're almost at that point, Just Mitch. Keep, you really are. 
You, you have to take care of business, right? You can listen. I, I know I'm pessimistic about the Browns and rightfully so, but yeah. this is completely different because of who's in charge and, and who's leading this team in the, in the dugout. And it's Terry Francona. And this is where I'll, I'll stamp my mark right now and say that if this team does make the playoffs, I don't understand how Terry Francona does not win ale manager of the year. I don't get uh, there's you cannot convince me otherwise with where this team was projected to finish this year with where their payroll is and with all the injuries and having the youngest team in baseball. If the guardians get into the playoffs, you cannot talk me out of Terry Francona, not being AL manager of the year. So what would you say to the people who think that Brandon Hyde from Baltimore should be manager of the year, resurrecting a basically dead franchise into a potential contender? Listen, great season. If they're not in the playoffs, I don't care. And at the same time, I think the Baltimore front office didn't believe in the team to hold up this long anyway, or else they wouldn't have traded Trey Mancini. They wouldn't have traded their closer. I mean, listen, he's done a great job there in Baltimore, but at the same time, Mitch, this is the, the same thing goes for us. This is a team nobody saw playing this well. I think a lot of people had us finishing third. Some even had us finishing fourth. There was a lot of people high in the Detroit Tigers this year who mm. are 55 and 91, but I lowest payroll, second lowest payroll in baseball. And the youngest team in baseball did just keep on doing your thing. Yeah. Keep on winning. And we'll worry about it when the time comes, but I hear you. I hear, hear you for that. I hear you for the manager for Seattle. I don't know if it's still, uh, Oh, it's on the top of my head or top, tip my tongue, but I can't think of it all of a sudden as I'm blanking. I think so, it's those three for candidates. Scott Cervais is who is the yeah, Cervais, yep. for yep. Seattle. I mean, honestly, he might be the guy that gets it because Seattle. Or, who do you got? If if we choke and the White Sox win, it could be Tony LaRusso okay. not coaching. I, don't, I didn't think that's where you, I didn't think that's where you were going to go. But is it going to be the guy who filled in? Is it going to be the assistant coach who filled in for him for what fifteen games? It should be because look at look how well they've turned it around. Uh, listen, I know you think I'm I'm hating on the dude, but I'm not the only one talking about. I know, this oh, I know, oh, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware. It, it's, yeah. it's something that needs to be brought and, to attention that. The, your manager, yeah. the White Sox, the most talented team on paper in the division. Do you agree? I agree. Like there's, they, they have been one of the most disappointed teams in baseball and hopefully they stay that way. I'm not trying to, I'm not hoping they wake up here. At least don't wake up until you play the twins or whatever, or right. maybe the twins wake up, who knows, but just, I just wanted to throw that out there. No, I, I understand that with you. And as far as Hyde goes, I mean, if Baltimore had made the run at the playoffs, I could have agreed, but they're four games out of the division right now. We've also wrecked the White Sox and, Gar- and uh, Twins' chance uh, for the wild card because the White Sox are currently uh, five games out of the of the last spot and and Minnesota seven and a half. So I don't. that's very difficult to have not only you get on that hottest streak, but have teams like uh, Seattle and Tampa Bay just absolutely fall off the map that it's very rare that that happens. So I, I'm, I'm, I think we can expect the three teams, like you mentioned the Rays, Jays and, and Mariners to be those three teams come, come October. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as that, we will go into the next uh, uh, topic uh, here in just a little bit, but I want to give you give a quick message to the audience uh, about an upcoming event here. Uh, that we're going to mention here on Big Time Sports, and that is the 2022 Ohio Swiss Festival. Now, this is an event that is taking place from September 28th uh, on Thursday all the way to Saturday, October 1st. So there are many, many great uh, 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 
events coming up here for the festival. You have stuff like the tasting, such as wine and cheese. Uh, that'll take place Friday and Saturday from noon to nine. Craft beer will be from 3 to 9.30 on Main Street. Uh, the wine and cheese tasting will be at the fire station, I believe. And as far as the rest of the festival goes, there's so many different events uh, that you can take you and your loved ones to. I mean, the kids can uh, just have fun you know the the different sorts of games and the rides that'll be at the event and you know of course we'll have the stone throwing competition among many other events here at the swiss festival so be sure to check out for that for more information regarding the festival you can actually go to uh, ohioswissfestival.com or you can find the ohio swiss festival on facebook when others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy, or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut, skin-on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Try them today, only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's, taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young & Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van Nostrand Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Be sure to take a trip to Sugar Creek for the upcoming Ohio Swiss Festival from Thursday, September 29th through Saturday, October 1st along Dover Road, Main Street, and Maple Street. Established in 1953, the Swiss Festival transformed Sugar Creek into a lively Swiss village to showcase the rich cultural heritage. From wine and cheese samplings to races, contests, and parades, the Swiss Festival offers something for everybody. Take the kids out for fun games, delicious food, and exciting rides. And be sure to get there for Steinstossen, the stone-throwing competitions Friday and Saturday nights. The Ohio Swiss Festival, Thursday, September 29th to Saturday, October 1st in downtown Sugar Creek. For more information, go to Ohio Swiss 
ohioswissfestival.com or find Ohio Swiss Festival on Facebook. Welcome back to the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Mitch, before we get to our next subject, I want to stick to baseball just a second because I forgot to mention this this yesterday. This season from Aaron Judge is unbelievable, man. Two home runs last night in the Yankees uh, contest. He is at 59 home runs, which is the the most that anybody's had in a season since I believe his teammate Giancarlo Stanton a few years ago with the Marlins. Uh, this, this is unbelievable, and I had some notes here. It was just from at Talking Yanks on, on Twitter. In, the Yankees have 16 games left this season. Aaron Judge, uh, uh, his best stretch of hitting home runs in 16 games this year, he had 13 from July 14 to August 1st. Now, the, the big thing is everybody wants Judge to hit 60, except if you don't like the Yankees or Judge. I want to see it happen because the last time we've seen it was back in 2001, which speaking of which, Barry Bonds hit 73 home runs that year. If Judge were to go on that hot streak that I just mentioned, he would still fall one short of where Bonds ended up to break the all-time single-season record, which is it's something to think about, but it is honestly – that's the other thing that I'm really keeping my eye on with this baseball season right now, alongside with, with what the Guardians are doing in the Central. It's this guy getting to that mark, as well as Albert Pujols well, trying to reach 700 hmm. home runs. That, that's a big was, one, too. I was going to say, I think you're focused on judging the AL, as you should be, and I'm focused on Pujols in the NL – as people should be, because Albert Pujols up to 698, Mitch. Yeah. Aaron Judge, I hope, breaks the record. I really do, because I'm hoping that somehow he outprices himself from the Yankees and, you know, goes somewhere random like Miami. Um, probably won't happen. Uh, but at the same time, it has been so much fun to be able to see Aaron Judge do this. Like you said, two away. Um, I, I would be stunned if he doesn't get it. On the flip side, you're starting to worry if Albert Pujols can get two more with where the yeah. Cardinals are at. Um, where they're at in the playoff push, how they want to try to play for for seeding and who they're going to play. But it's so much fun, right? This is this is where I think that baseball has been missing now for a while. This is like I said, Mitch, I'm sure your your dad was the same way if he liked baseball way back in the day, um, you know, right be, probably before you and I were ever thought. But the whole Sosa and McGuire home run derby, you know, during the summer, yeah. Bonds just went on the tear he went on once he went out to San Francisco. This is something that I think baseball needs. I, I really do. And, and the fact that it's happening with one of the most, if not the most iconic baseball franchise with Aaron Judge and the Yankees, and then happening with one of the most iconic players of his generation, Albert Pujols, I think it's a perfect mix right now for all the baseball fans everywhere. Um, and, and for the younger ones that maybe don't know who Albert Pujols is, all they have to do is look up who he is, and they're going to see that this is a first ballot Hall of Famer that is two home runs away from being third all-time uh, with 700 home runs. No, well, let's see. Bonds is first. Aaron is second. Ruth is third. Okay, so he'd be so he fourth be all time. Fourth, fourth all time. That's well, right. I was like, didn't A Rod break seven hundred or no? I thought A Rod was six six ninety six. Yeah, yeah, pull yeah. up right now while we. Yeah, yeah. Pools was fourth. Yeah, Pools should be fourth right now because he he passed Willie Mays. He passed oh, Mantle, obviously. Um, yeah, past McGuire, past Sosa. I don't think that there's any. Um, anybody else besides uh bonds uh aaron and yep you're correct yes it is 762 with bonds in first place it is hank aaron second with 755 hall of famer babe ruth third hall of famer with 714 i'm saying that because as i look at the list they make sure to let you know that yeah. bonds is the famer which is a joke i know and then albert holes in his 19th season 
with 698. So it'd it's be, it's there for the taking. Arod is fifth with 696. It'd be cruel if he couldn't get could like could he do well, the thing that Ichiro, could he do the thing that Ichiro did where he showed up for like three games in 2019 and he's like, oh, I'm done. Yep, that's what I was going to ask you. If he finishes with 699, does he yeah. come back next year until he hits one? You have I think to. he might. I think he might. You have to. You have to. Yeah. I hope he All just right. gets I mean, it this year. I do too. That'd be a nice cap off to to for this for a season that's been very eventful in baseball. Uh, it's first. Nah, I mean 2021 was was its first true season back per se, but I think we we we've gone the whole year in regular routine like we used to. Aside from some of the rule changes, uh, so now going over to high school sports, which you know that's a main, a big catalyst of our show here because we like to highlight some of the local stuff. Uh, Stark and yes, exactly. Stark and Tuscarawas County um, had a bunch of games this past Friday and Saturday, I believe. Uh, Mitch, I mean, kind of take me through some of the games that you were very keen on. I mean, I know that you mentioned you were at Hoover, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did that game end up between the Vikings? Uh, like, kind of take me through it. The Vikings ended up defeating Glen Oak 41 to 31, Mitch. And it was a game that was very close in the first half and a game that Hoover put away in the second half. But as soon as you thought the game was over, Glen Oak came roaring back. Really, though, Mitch, the difference in the game is Glen Oak just couldn't get out of their own way. And for everybody out there, you know, that's the story for a lot of teams. But here's the thing. Glen Oak is young. How young, Mitch? They have 99 players in their roster, only 16 seniors. And the players at their skill positions, like quarterback and running back, are not seniors. So you're talking about the guys that touch the ball the most are not upperclassmen. I believe, actually, I'm sorry. I believe Adrian Burt is, Avante Burt is the junior who's the running back. Adrian Burt is the brother, sophomore quarterback. So you're talking about two guys in the backfield touching the ball almost every play that are not seniors. This is a team that's very talented. They just can't get out of their own way. And I think that's where you're starting to see the youth creep up. But give credit to Hoover. Uh, Carson Durland, the quarterback for the Vikings, tremendous. Mason Ashby returned the kickoff from Glen Oak after the first drive of the game to the house, put Hoover in front. Uh, but it was a really great game. But Mitch Stark County in general, amazing. Glen Oak, that is their, they've now lost two in a row in Federal League play. That is Hoover's first win in Federal League play week four. They had a first, their, their week off. Jackson Perry, a thriller, right? And just like, I remember last episode, I said, hey, yep. if you like quick football games, Mitch, this is the game you want to go to. Jackson defeated Perry 30 two to 31 in overtime mitch jackson scored to win the game in overtime before i was even home from leaving for my game they were in overtime and perry was at the two-yard line to score before regulation ended between hoover and glen oak so that game did go fast and that's the thing that they just run both teams are both powerful running teams yeah um jackson taking a page out of the green bulldogs book right mitch we talked about week three the bulldogs lost to talmage 47 46 on a two-point conversion in overtime. Week four, Green beats Jackson going for two at the end of regulation. So Jackson, after losing by t- on a two-point conversion, went for two on their own, on the road at Perry. And luckily, the Polar Bears got it. They were up 24-7, to seven, Mitch, and blue, and Perry came back in the second half to tie it at 24. They got the ball first in overtime, went in and scored. Jackson, though, gets a huge Federal League win. Another one, Mitch. The Green Bulldogs hosted the McKinley Bulldogs in the Battle yes. of the Bulldogs. It wasn't close. I think if you would have told people there would have been a running clock in this game, a lot of fans from both teams would have been shocked. But McKinley stays undefeated against Green since they've joined the Federal League back in 2016. McKinley 51, Green 19. And Mitch, already 
we have pandemonium in the federal league. There's only two teams left unbeaten. And remember Hoover's only played one game so far, but Lake also only one game in federal league play. They were off this past week. They beat Louisville 35 to seven. They are at Jackson this week. That is the big time sports game of the week here for Stark. That is also where I will be. Uh, it's going to get crazy, but Mitch, another Stark County game that a lot of people's eyes were on in the state of Ohio, including some Cleveland Browns players as John Johnson, the third was present is when Maslin hosted the number one team in division one in St. Ed's Yes, and the Tigers scored with 11 seconds to go and knocked off St. Edwards 31 to 28 at Paul Brown Tiger stadium in a thriller, a huge win for Maslin. Uh, it just, what a weekend in Stark County. I mean, you have Alliance who throttled central Mitch as I'm running through some more scores, Canton South 42, Manchester six Northwest 40 to 12 over Tuslaw. Fairless stays unbeaten 42 to 14 Mitch, just a phenomenal week or a phenomenal Friday night in Stark County for football. And I have to imagine it was the same way with you. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, some of those games, I couldn't believe the scores of McKinley getting their first win in such a dominating fashion over green. And then of course, the Maslin St. Ed's one was the one to certainly look out for as far as Tuscarawas County. The big one was down in new Philadelphia that I was at on Friday night, which was between the Quakers and the Tigers T Y G E R S of Mansfield senior. Now, New Philadelphia, probably, I mean, again, their defense has been very solid so far this year. I think they were, they played very, very well for the first half, and, and we'll get to what happened in the second half in a bit. The Quakers ended up almost going into halftime, leading 10-7, to 7, although they there was a Mansfield drive uh, as, to, as time was ticking down the first half. Mansfield goes for an end zone pass. It's incomplete out of bounds. The clock hits zero, but the receiver for Mansfield was – Right as his feet started to touch on the way down from when he was jumping to catch the ball, uh, New Philadelphia ended up hitting him. Not as not in, I don't think it was in like a malicious way. I think it was just him trying to like break up the pass. But they called it uh, uh, the penalty on him, so they ended up giving him a timeless play. And Mansfield ended up running it into the end zone to give the fourteen to ten lead. Now the second half is where it got interesting because New Philadelphia's first two drives ended up. Uh, a fumble, I believe, on the first one, and then interception. It might have been reversed. Two turnovers, basically. And then Mansfield is unable to capitalize on uh, these two drives. And New and Mansfield's got some some pretty solid players. I mean, I know they've lost the last two weeks, and the offense hasn't looked as good as it did the first two weeks. But, you know, Duke Reese did what he had to do uh, in this one. I mean, uh, uh, Ricky Mills, obviously, was able uh, is a capable back for Mansfield, uh, as well as Brown. And... Mansfield was turned turned the ball over on downs at one point. It gave New Philadelphia the ball on their side of the field, like way back. New Philadelphia engineered its way down to the to the uh, red zone once uh once the fourth quarter hit, and they looked like they were about to score. Like Keaton Fossil had some really good runs for New Philadelphia in this game. The quarterback for them, the sophomore rather, by the way, and you know New Philadelphia looked like they could take the lead, and then they floated a ball into the end zone trying to get over the defenders interception and here's where it got interesting because instead of just taking the ball and diving in the end zone for the touchback uh mansfield uh tried to run out of the end zone almost going sideways down the field base and into the end zone basically and they're stuck at the three so they're stuck still deep in their territory and then a couple plays later reese uh arced a ball over to i believe amar davis and davis ran 97 yards for the, the touchdown that if you were there, Mitch, you could have felt the like the air get 
sucked out of the stadium. Basically, it was that deflating for new Philly fans, and the and the offense just looked like it ran out of gas right after that. There was a bunch of like easy drives for Mansfield, and so New Philadelphia now is uh, they they lost twenty one to ten. They are two and three on the year, one and two in the OCC, and it's going to be very in- interesting to see where Coach Mike Johnson's squad will go uh, for, throughout the year. We also had Dover dropping their first, uh, getting their first loss of the season, 29 to 13 down in Steubenville. And, uh, you know, Spencer Osevich, uh, had a big game for them, two early touchdown runs. Uh, JJ Barton had two touchdowns, I believe for the tornadoes. So give him credit for that. And then the, uh, Crimson tornadoes will return home this week to play Canfield, which is also a featured game here on big time sports. You can listen to it on your local, Access cable channels, I believe Spectrum 15 and 989, as well as Maslin uh, CT 128. Uh, of course, also on BigTimeSportsOhio.com. Other scores from around the the conference, you had uh, we had the Newcomerstown uh, and Indian Valley game. Uh, we had the Newcomerstown kids in the studio earlier this week. Great kids. Braves ended up uh, beating them in that one, 47 to 16. Garraway put up a monster first quarter against Strasburg, 25 nothing, and route to a uh, 51 to 14 win. We also had uh, some close ones in there. I mean, East Canton edged Sandy Valley 34 to 28 in the final seconds. Great win for the Hornets there. And then Claymont shut out Buckeye Trail, 27 nothing. Ridgewood beat Malvern 34 to seven. So Ridgewood rebounding from that last loss last week. And then uh, Tuskegee Valley ended up being Central 35 to seven. And Canaan Valley getting a big win over Bridgeport, 42-18. to 18. I also had a bunch of games listed here. I believe you mentioned Fairless, which we had uh, Coach A.J. Sarwa on the podcast. Be sure to look, go back and listen to that one uh, from a couple of videos ago. And then, you know, you got Hoover, Lake, Canton South, all victorious. Canton South being Manchester. And then CBCA beat Triway, North yeah, North CBCA and Northwest each one. And then West Branch ended up beating Howland. So, you know, a good week for a number of Stark schools, and I'm sure we're going to cover more of them later on in the week. And I uh, also want to give a shout out, by the way, I was at New uh, Dover on Saturday. No, I'm sorry, New Philly. It was between the Tornadoes and the Quakers in volleyball. And the first game match between these two teams in the year was a pretty easy win for the Quakers. Dover came to play on Saturday and ended up stretching it out to five games, although the Quakers ended up winning in that fifth set. So a big shout-out to the Quaker ladies and uh, uh, head coach Susan Reason. She was my uh, math teacher back in the fourth grade. So, yeah, that is all the time we have here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Obviously, thank you guys for watching or listening. You can watch us on uh, Spotify and YouTube, as well as uh, an anchor, an anchor who distributes the podcast, helps us out. That is not a sponsor. We love them. We love what they do. And uh, you can listen to this on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. So that is what we have there. And also you can find us on BigTimeSportsOhio.com, at BTSOhio on Twitter, at Mitch Spinell, at Mitchell Bala, wherever he's pointing here. I don't remember at this point, 14 episodes in, 15 episodes in. Bala, what's your uh, fact of the day uh, that we have for this special episode? Well, I guess it wouldn't be a fact if i said the cleveland browns suck i guess it's more of an opinion it's two uh, games so I, 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 it's they're gonna get they're games. gonna get over it th- uh by thursday man they're gonna get back they to better. it go biskey's gonna throw three picks we're gonna we're gonna do this whole thing again and we're gonna have a victory friday it's gonna be great well, your fun fact for you is that if you ever need to taint a crime scene get a koala because koala's fingerprints are indistinguishable from humans Literally, it says so much so that they've actually tainted crime scenes before. That does in other. That does. How? How do the hands like? I don't are know. they shaped like, like human hands? 
I've always I mean, wondered if the koala's if the koala's there, then your crime not only is your crime scene tainted, but nobody's gonna believe a koala did it unless the the victim has like koala Brain marks. Camera. What do what do koala marks yeah. look like? I don't know. I'm not trying to find out though. I no, don't find out. No, I don't, I haven't met a koala personally, not yet. Um, thanks for listening and watching to this episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show.